Hello, listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Mind and Mike podcast. One, two, three, four. Uh, this is Donna, and I have my amazing uh, classmates here with me also who would like to introduce themselves. Hi, guys. It's Maya again. My name is Jazan. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, this episode uh, is going to be very informative, useful, and because uh, we are delving into the topic that plays an important role in the everyday lives of creative people, especially people in the creative industry. It's collaboration and circularity in the creative industry. And guess what? We have an expert in the field here. Rachel Sheila Khan. Hi, Rachel. Hi, everyone. <laughs> wow. It's, I, I must say, it's an honor to have you on our podcast, especially on this topic, because uh, when we were talking about it as a team, it came up about collaboration and about how the industry is. And the first thing that came up in our heads was Rachel. <laughs> Good to hear it. <laughs> oh, wow. I am. Um, um, so, um, Rachel, could you, um, could you just like, I know we know you, but to our listeners out there, could you just kindly like introduce yourself? Yeah, I'll try to be, uh, <laughs> keep it in there, but uh, we'll get there. Um, so I'm Rachel Sheila Khan, and I've been in the fashion industry for over 25 years now. Uh, my first um, part of my 25 years was as a designer and design manager in the trade. Um, and yeah, I really saw... The overproduction of the world, the degradation of the world, and the degradation of fashion was a massive part of that. Um, and I then started transitioning towards circularity over the last eight years. Um, came to the UCA as well to teach on sustainability and ethics and business, which is where I met you guys. <laughs> right? yeah. um, since then, I've been teaching myself, uh, going on courses, creating courses myself, um, I also have a consultancy, so I work with uh, businesses to help them transition towards circularity. Um, and I also created something called the Ecosystem Incubator, which is a collaborative. So that's where micro-businesses come together to co-create. And that ecosystemic way can be applied to larger business structures as well. Okay. So that's what we've been putting in, in our consultancy. Um, I could go on for a very long time. <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also an author, um, and I'd actually like to present to you guys with the book. You'll have to share it. But oh, wow. Thank you. you guys. Um, wow. And uh, I've co-created this book with Ken Alston, who works on, uh, worked on the original Cradle to Cradle work um, back in the day. Um, and that's our real wow. circularity business. Well, if uh, our listeners can uh, see the book, I can tell you, this is a, a wonderful book written by... Rachel, uh, with her partner Ken, and it's called Real Circularity. We will we'll put this up on our website so that you can look at it and can see all, and then definitely put a summary about it so everyone can see and go get the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting read for sure. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, 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 I know you talk about a lot of um, circularity and sustainable fashion and things, and not just the fashion industry, but also the creative industry. I want you to know. Um, what does the sustainable futures, you know, you talk about the future and, and, and what does that mean in context of the fashion industry, this creative, um, this sustainable futures? How 
is it possible? How are we going to, in a world that we live in when everything is fast fashion, fast designs are now even coming in with all the AI and all, how is it, how, how is it going to be sustained? Yeah, well, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> you, we might need three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, try to be uh, reduced into my, um, into my box. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess um, I very much look at it as we, we're building a bridge. There's e this economic system, which we're in now, right? Um, and we need to work towards circular regenerative systems. Mm. This economic system doesn't support that particularly, right? Um, because we're in a take-make-waste situation and we're, we're creating so much stuff because the system asks us, right? And that's why you see fast fashion. That's why you see all of the, the waste from the system. These are all sicknesses of that system. Yeah. So what we need to do is create a regenerative system over time, right? This might actually take longer, definitely longer than my lifetime, hopefully <laughs> not longer than your lifetimes, right? But we still have to still create that bridge towards that future. What that looks like is many different avenues. Collaboration being a part of it. Collaboration with businesses coming together, large and small, to co-create the circular future that we need to live into, right? Um, there, there's actual products, right, that we have to look at how we physically make those circular. Um, and that's not just looking just at the sharing economy and the repair economy. That's actually physically looking at how we can create something of such integrity that it can be recirculized over and over, not in necessarily in the same industry, but maybe in an inter-industry approach, right? And that's another part of it that we need to look at how we look at interchanging with the different industries to keep that waste from being waste at all. It will then become value. Yeah? If we see waste as value, as something that we can mine for other industries or for our own industry, something that we can intrinsically create value systems from, then we have much more opportunity to create uh, this regenerative future that I, I can see possible. Wow. Yeah, um, so I mean, we speak about sustainability and you, you lecture um, at UCA on sustainability and ethics in business. And I feel like as a generation, we prioritize it a little bit more than generations before us. Mm -hmm. So from a lecturer's point of view, have you noticed you know, any difference in students' view and prioritization when it comes to you know, collaboration, sustainability, and ethics in business? In general? Yeah, I mean, uh, some students still, when I say, do you know what sustainability is, don't know it. Yeah. Right? So it really depends where you've been on this earth. What have you seen, right? That kind of thing. Some people are like, yeah, I totally get that. Um, I understand that we need to reuse and at least on some level keep in the system yeah. what's there, right? Um, some, people, some, some people are kind of like, okay, yeah, I can see how I can create new um, ideas of products and things like that. But um, it really depends where you've been in this world, right? Mm. Um, I think there is a, there is a, a more of a shift overall in, in customer perception and customers are kind of looking at, you know, where their things are from at the very least, right? Um, my thing is as well that we not only have to know where things are from, 
we need to orchestrate where they are going next, what's next use, and what's next use after that, and what's next use after that. That's an interesting point, actually. I feel like sometimes I look at where it came from, but not where it's going to go. Where, where it's going to go, go, right? Yeah. That's the thing. At that point of creation, we also have to design in those next systems. And that's hard when you're only looking at one particular specialism and you're not able to zoom out and then see how other specialisms can interact with your ideas. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting and valid um, point of view for sure. Um, okay, since we are talking about education, my question is, as someone deeply involved in reshaping the fashion industry, what role do you see education playing in promoting sustainable practice among the future designers? Really, really important, right? Um, and it's not just designers that need to get this. It's the whole, whole lot of the business. Yeah, so for us, education is a really important part. Uh, we actually go in with our Real Circularity Academy and teach different sectors of different siloed parts of the business to understand this. Because not only does the designer need to know how to design for circularity, the marketing team need to know how to communicate that, right? Because communicating it effectively and without greenwashing is going to be a really important part too, right? And those siloed parts of the business, because usually in hierarchical uh, business systems, you've got like uh, a CEO at the top and you've got all of the different departments and silos. They don't always speak to each other, right? <laughs> so we see education as something that starts to actually have people start to be interdisciplinary and it's just be an interdisciplinary team, right? So I think it then changes their mindsets to be able to say do you know what I can actually do something about this I know when I was in a business as a designer I understood that we needed to move towards sustainable futures mm -hmm. however I just said well I'm a just a designer the CEO is not saying anything so <laughs> yes. what do I do about it you know I didn't think that I had any part to play in it right but actually massively I knew my specialism and so does the so do the other people in the other siloed teams actually if we come together then with an understanding of circularity we can start to apply it much more effectively and much more innovatively because each of those teams really knows their stuff they know the the supply chains for instance and how we might adjust with them right it also means that beyond that brand or beyond that business, there are going to be also all of that supply chain that also need education. Yes. Yeah? yeah. They also might educate me. Mm. Right? I've got educated from the supply chain itself, personally, mm. because I didn't know about some of the processes involved in, um, in manufacturing from some of the fibers, and they taught me about it. And they've got innovations that could actually create such an improvements in those other brands yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, exactly it's the education never stops we just have to keep educating from the ground up from the ground from everywhere from right everywhere. like actually i learned so much and i was just saying to the other students in there i learned so much from teaching as well because i learn what everyone thinks and knows about sustainability in general and that te that informs me on how I can educate in a certain way how I can implement that into teams how that I can 
talk to people in a, diff in a different way. Yeah? Um, I just wanted to add something that I, I know you said, like, this, the, the people on the top don't, like, seem to, not that they don't care, but it's, mm. it's just something that, is it all about making money? I mean, you're talking about <laughs> sort of a new economy, so a kind of a disruptive economy. I mean, how does that play in now? Because I, I see a lot of people tending towards this new economy thing. Could you could you put a bit of uh, explain that a little bit more for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, we started to see the new economy coming into businesses, even in a small way, right? Um, so I, I went to the Vogue Sustainable yeah. Business Futures events on Tuesday, right? Um, and even they were saying, hey, we're having to, as a lot of the more materials uh, innovators, right? They're actually having to create business systems and structures that invite those brands to be able to work with them. For instance, they're trying to get investment, and then the investors will say, well, you haven't got any proof that this is going to work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So then they go to the brands, and the brands are saying, well, you haven't got any investment, so how are we going to know that this works, right? <laughs> so so the, these um, materials innovators are then trying to say to the brands, well, if you could just literally write on a piece of paper to say you would, co you would commit to, to working with this, then we have opportunity to get in, in um, investment, right? Mm. So they're trying to kind of like be this in-between space. And I think that that's the thing, is new economics is kind of like a, a constant reinvention of how we do business, right? They're also saying, very similar to me uh, in my micro in my micro businesses in the ecosystem that each of one of those businesses could come together and collaborate on something called minimum order quantities mm -hmm. so in the fashion industry specifically that you have to commit as a brand or as anyone who's creating a, a brand a, a brand or product to a certain amount of meterage so it might be three thousand meters that's like that's a lot of risk in doing yeah. that, yeah. right? So we're saying, well, actually, we could come together as 10 brands and commit to that minimum order quantity together. We can split it up, we can reduce cost, we can reduce uh, risk, and we can reduce overproduction, right? Yes. Which is, overproduction is one of the biggest problems yes. because we're all having to commit to those MOQs and then have a problem with, like, dead stock. Right, if you haven't designed something that people actually want, which is a massive thing. So we have to be really, really experimental and innovative with the way that we structure this. Yeah? Um, we can also look at business this in a different way, that we're not... We can also look at this in a different way, that we're not just looking at how we, um, how we just build profit on a product, how we can add other businesses to that business. So that might be uh, education systems, that might be something like a, a festival that we do around our product or, or our, you know, actually our supply chain, right? Like yeah. I did with um, something called the hemp retreat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some images of that, very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. actually it shows then your transparency and people can go into the field and say, yeah, that's where you're growing the hemp to make this new innovative idea, right? So 
it's continuously uh, creating new creative ideas. And that's why I love like the creative business side of things and why I'm here at the University of Creative Arts because creativity is the one thing that we need to put into the way that we do business. So like we look at, you know, addressing the issues from a brand perspective and a company perspective, but if we take to the consumer perspective, mm. like, you know, I hate to admit this myself, um, but as a consumer, I don't always go for, you know, the most sustainable or ethical brands because they can be very pricey. Yeah. Um, so Ken, what's, you know, your advice or your approach on trying to be a more sustainable consumer, yeah. but also keeping it, keeping within a reasonable budget as a student um, and just kind of amalgamating like the approach to ch the challenge of making sustainability accessible? It's the question I get all the time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. hard. It's hard to do. Number one, um, do we eat clothes? Can we eat them? No. No, so we are not consuming them. We are using them, ah. right? When we change our distinction around the way that we talk about things, we can see that if we change the distinction to user and not consumer, we can see that there needs to be a next use for that item, right? Okay. Instead of it just being something like a food that we eat, yeah. right? That, mm. We can consume food, but we can't consume, we can't consume this jacket, for instance, yeah, right? That's, 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 that's <laughs> actually. But on the affordability piece, I would say, actually, there's a false, um, there's a false value, yeah, perception based on, something that you buy from say boohoo right if yeah. we're looking at fast fashion yeah mm -hmm. that thing you can possibly wear for five times yeah yeah maybe ten times yeah before before it kind of looks a bit like a rag yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that's been designed for a linear path it's busy been designed with very cheap fabrics very yeah. cheap labor right so there's a there's a value cost to just procuring that in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and actually what we need to showcase is the use, the usage of these things per use, yeah? So if I was to design something of massive longevity and say to you that you can use this 200 times, yes, it might be 30% more expensive, but actually you're getting a use yeah. value out yeah. of it that's, that's way true. more, that's true. right? That's, that's, yeah. yeah? So that's hard to communicate to the customer mm -hmm. or the user because they're seeing that intrinsic price that's, you know, from, from the, the fast fashion end, for instance, or the value end, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's really hard because, yeah. you know, the value perception of clothes has gone very down because we've been creating this stuff. I was told to design stuff when I first went into the industry because mm. I was in the value sector. I wasn't partic it wasn't particularly fast fashion, but it was uh, designing stuff with, val with a value um, perception. So um, I was told, can you take out the pockets to save 40 pence? Yeah. Uh, can we move it to a different factory that might be, you know, cheaper? Mm -hmm. If you move it to a cheaper factory, you know that mostly the mm -hmm. social aspect of that is a real problem. Yeah. If you knew yeah. that e every time you bought something that was of cheaper value or cheaper, yeah. cheaper cost, right? If yeah. you knew that behind that was low wages, child labor, yeah. um, factories not being like upholded very much, mm -hmm. then 
would you look at that in a different light? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's definitely... Yeah. Awareness in this case definitely yeah. plays the biggest part yeah. because even like, I guess secondhand clothing's also helped the issue in a sense where, you know, we have things like Vinted where you can repurchase clothes and it kind of extends the, like, the life of, of an item. But I think there's also a stigma around it sometimes. Like it's not always like secondhand stores aren't always available either, which kind of, I think the more we get those into the market, it's- Again, sec secondhand, I mean, hi. <laughs> secondhand is good because you're reusing that item so many times, which is fine. But those initial designs have not been designed for deconstruction. They've not been designed yeah. for the mm. circularity. So they're still on a degenerative path. I, yeah. I really uphold things like Vinted, and they have really good um, integrity, especially at the moment. They've actually said and uh, broadcasted the other day that they're not going to accept any uh, fashion that doesn't have longevity. Wow. Like wow, ASOS, wow. like Zara, like that is, Boohoo. That is, that yes. is, that is, that's huge. That that's is a very huge big. stand, right? Yeah. Like, so they're actually going to only accept items that have thought about and can showcase durability and longevity because that's what they need to be able to uphold what they're doing. That's yeah? a great move yeah. forward. That is a bold move. Yeah? That's a very bold move. <laughs> but it's important. Most, most of the things in the charity shop, if you send your stuff to charity, it's not going to be sold in the charity shop. It's going to end up in different countries that yes, then really true. upsets their own economy. Right? That's true. And still, that stuff... It's still got to go somewhere. It goes away. It might be reused in Africa or whatever, um, but it washes up on the beaches. Yes. Mm. It, it, it goes away, either into the water system, into landfill, or into incineration. So probably the, the, the best use eventually could be incineration for power, but mostly there isn't enough of that going on. Mm. Um, now some clothes are starting to wash up on beaches, mm. and... Um, some uh, bacteria has actually evolved to start to eat plastic. <laughs> oh. Because there is actually so much plastic in the environment, bacteria started to actually evolve to eat it. Wow. <laughs> so, so wastage, this all waste has created a new, a new form of life. Yeah, new that new form of life ejects uh, methane gas. Oh no. Uh, oh. oh no! You think? Oh, yeah, oh no! Like, that's, you think that's good, right? Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, now it's it's ejecting methane gas. What we put into our system is going to come out somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's fascinating when they stop. One of my favourite quotes is from Janine Bainus, and it's called. Uh, it says, "Life creates conditions conducive to life," and uh, that is intrinsically at the heart of everything that I do. Whatever we put into the system is going to have some kind of an effect on our environment and on ourselves in, in that process. So um, just kind of a little bit of a pivot turn, but you know, you've been definitely working in the industry for a while. You've made your mark. Um, do you, you know, I'm, I'm interested to kind of see the beginning of your careers, career. Was there any pivotal moment um, at the start of your career that led you here and were there any doubts and kind of fears throughout the way of, you know? Yeah, 100%. Like, when I started, I was really naive. 
if I'm honest, I just wanted to get into the industry and be creative. Like, to be very frank, um, I was from a working class background and people in my village said, what are you doing being a fashion designer, you crazy woman? <laughs> As if you're going to go and do, get into that, right? But there was an abundance of jobs because of the way that the industry is overproducing and creating. So I actually got into the industry because there was this massive, I'll say, abundance, right? And then over the years, really, I saw how much stuff was being created for being created's sake. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I got to the point where I'd go to China and India, and mainly China, and see mall-sized places that had um, tiny little stores, probably about as big as this table, with uh, little fabric swatches. And I knew behind every swatch there would be rolls and rolls and rolls of this stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was pretty much all linear, right? This was all creating from the environment, going through like chemical processes in fields, maybe, you know, spraying pesticides, having mono cropping, um, creating with toxic dyes on top of it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And that this didn't have any place to go after its use cycle. And it was being created for this stuff's sake, you know, for, for creating economics. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I sat down with my sons after my mother passed away and I said to them I looked him in the eye and I was like I want to be able to look you in the eye in the future and say that I did something about it I see you're very passionate about yeah like I I can see where the the passion passion comes comes from from, yeah um it's it's lovely to see and it's, it's lovely to kind of see how you can get started in the industry at one point but something can completely turn your views on it and your your path forward I was like you said um, coming to UCA is because you want to now teach the future where creativity can go I need to ask this are you winning oh Mm, (laughs) win is an interesting word (laughs) I think um, there's definitely much more of an interest yeah than, than there was like having this podcast with me <laughs> showcases that people people want to listen. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Um, that's there's true. not one day that goes by that someone doesn't message me on LinkedIn to ask me how I got to where I'm going, to where I am. Right? Um, what courses do I go to? What's you know never happened before. Right? There are actually courses springing up around circularity now. Um, DMU are also going to create a business school in central London, you know, which I'm like a uh, lecturer on and things. Actually, oh, in, nice. <laughs> in circularity, like sp- particular courses about it. So, yes, I think we are oh. on the way to yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say we've won, and I think that this takes a very long time to implement, and that's why education is so important, because I have, me, Ken, everyone has to... Uh, be able to share their knowledge with the with generations and then generations share their knowledge with other generations and be able to co-create this future uh, in that cathedral thinking mentality yeah. what i mean by cathedral thinking is that we're creating futures that will be there beyond our death 
but we're still going to create them anyway, yeah. even though I'll never see. Oh, when you say you never see, it makes it that I want you to see maybe <laughs> cyborgs or something <laughs> by that time. But uh, wow, you say the generational, it starts now. You've started it. Yeah. I didn't start it. No, actually, this has started way before me. Wow, way Ken, before. Ken's been doing this for 36 years. Wow. So people before him were starting it. This is a book called um, Our Common Future. Mm. And this is what uh, Cradle to Cradle was based on, right? Mm. This was written in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> and before, even before that, in the 70s, there were people talking about this stuff. So it's it's so it, it, like you said. So the generations, it's 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 growing, it's 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 moving, it's it's cutting across, um, um, not just education, but it's cutting also now across businesses now. Because like you said, you went to the Vogue business uh, um, show, and they are this is the language now that is coming up. Uh, just goes that the, the future definitely is going to be bright i'm hoping when you always say that you may not see it i want you to see it. i want to see it. i'm I sure, see that. I'm sure oh, of course. That i want to see it. and um time is not our friend i know you're a very busy person rachel and i can only say thank you so much for coming thank you for having me it's oh been, no it's, it's been amazing <laughs> it's been so important informative and um i hope our listeners were able to gain something out of this that because it's not about just being creative and putting things out there not just in the fashion industry and in the creative world but we also should be able to be mindful of what we are creating and how it affects the world and how it's going to affect the future so um thank you yeah, thank, <laughs> thank, thank you, you. Thank you. So, you guys out there, this uh, will be available online and we'll put it out there. Like I said, Rachel's book, Real Circularity, we'll post it on, on our website. And thank you for listening. It's been another wonderful episode again. Thank you so much. Till next time, guys. <laughs> thank you. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Maya. Thanks, Rosanne. Thank thanks, Rachel. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>